Hey booze, welcome to Crime and Spirits, your one-stop shop for handcrafted cocktails, spooky stories, and all things true crime. I am your resident bartender, Suze, and I'll be teaching you all a new drink recipe at the beginning of each of our episodes. And I'm Bree, drinker of the drinks, and I write the stories we tell. So, what should you expect while listening to us? Well, good question. There's going to be some swearing. Oh, a lot of swearing. Probably some rambling. Definitely rambling. And most likely a lot of off-topic pop culture references. We specialize in Bob's Burgers and maybe Always Sunny. Definitely. But what do you want from us? We're going to be drinking. And hopefully you will be too. So come hang out with us each week. And if you want to spend more time with us, check out the description for the link to all of our socials. Let's buckle up buttercups and sip tight. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Crime and Spirits. Hey, how you doing? Trying to switch up our greets a little bit. I, I feel know. like I got stale there for a minute. I say a lot of y'alls, so it's fine. Well, like, we've I'm been not watching even Southern. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. We've been watching a lot of Drag Race lately, getting caught up, and Rue always goes, hello, 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 and that's what I want to do every single time, but, you know, kind of switch that. We watch it kind of a lot. I mean... Or we can be creepy like the boulets. I prefer the boulets. Me too. I don't think we ever talked about how awesome the Pittsburgh meet and greet was because That's I got, <laughs> Mark and I got COVID, but like really quickly, if for some reason anybody out there listening is into the Boulay Brothers Dragula and you are unsure of whether or not you should go to the tour, fucking do it. Go. And also definitely upgrade to the VIP. Do it. It's worth it. They bring in a professional photographer with a professional backdrop. You get your picture with the boulets and then on the other side you get your picture with the cast of monsters. Yeah. You get a signed poster. It was really cool. You get early access to the venue. Yeah, we were right there. It is like all I have a lot of pictures of Sigourney and Saints butts. There's, and I'm not mad. It's about almost it. like vagina photos. Like I'm we not are, angry. <laughs> y'all, that is how close we see here. It was ago. great. That's how close we were. I figured since we talked about it so much, maybe we should like revisit and be it's like, true. it was actually fucking awesome. Worth it. Definitely. Happy birthday to Seuss. Hey. <laughs> so, as you guys may know, we are gonna pick back up with the Ken and Barbie killers, Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, otherwise known as fuck those bitches. Exactly. We hate them. They're uh, the worst. <laughs> so just like a really quick synopsis, we uh, are talking about the killer couple. And they literally got their name because they were like really good looking and charming and like outwardly had the perfect lives, but really they were sadistic assholes. They were the worst. Paul was known as the Scarborough Rapist, committed a slew of sexual assaults across um, Scarborough, the city, which was like pretty decent size, uh, over the course of a few years. Um, all the while with Carla's encouragement. Maybe not all the while, but definitely for the, towards the end of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure we left off with Tammy's death. Carla's yeah. sister was offered up on a silver platter by Carla herself. Yeah. So those are the kind of people that we're dealing with. Not good. Um, Suze, we are drinking the same drink, yes? It is, yes. We still don't have a name for it. It's a beautiful, pink, wonderful cocktail. It's our twist on a Long Island. Um, We utilized a lot of liquors that we have used before in the name of being frugal slash I've heard from people that 
nobody wants to go broke yeah. spending just to listen to a podcast. So we want you to listen whether you're drinking water, wine, beer, bush light. The important thing is that we're all here hanging out and having these discussions. Talking some true crime. Um, so if you have any questions about the drink, you can look back to last week. The recipe is posted. The shopping list is posted. We are yep. going to repost the shopping list yep. and the recipe, but... Just if you want to find it early, because it's that fucking good, mm-hmm. it is there. Yeah, you guys, she hit it out of the park. I feel like I say that every single time, but A, you are a fantastic bartender. Thanks, girl. <laughs> and B, this is fucking delicious. So. I haven't been actually able to flex my creative muscles in a while. I do work for a corporate store, so yeah. there is that. They don't let us have a lot of you can experiment and stuff. We do sometimes make seasonal drinks, but it's once like every quarter or something. So. When they're feeling froggy. Yeah, when they <laughs> feel like it. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to get back into things. We are in June 1991. The couple, Paul and Carla, has decided to get married at the end of June. And this is just six months after the death of her sister, Tammy. After the death they caused. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, if you'll remember from last week, it was ruled as an accident. Because Tammy had been drinking that night, but what authorities didn't know is that she was drugged by Carla and Paul. I mean, they would have known that if they saw the chemical burn on her face. Like if they paid attention to anything. (laughs) What are you going to do? That's really where we're at. So... According to a friend of theirs, um, they basically had the attitude that was like, it's time to move on and like, fuck how you feel about it. And I don't know how you can have that attitude six months after like... Because you're a sociopath and you don't have any feeling. Could you imagine being (laughs) Carla's parents and having to try to like, like that worrying sense of like I'm grieving for my one daughter but I should be happy because my other daughter is crossing over like this life milestone and like well and I don't know if you know this everybody out there but planning a wedding is a lot my sister planned and undertook her wedding a lot by herself because she's type A hey girl but (laughs) it's just there was so much work involved she sounds like an angel to me (laughs) I love her she is awesome but I could not imagine going from like extreme sorrow to like should I be happy on this day like should I be helping her make centerpieces and fold in swan napkins and like all this weird shit the thought of planning my wedding literally makes me want to throw up because I just get overwhelmed by the thought of it I couldn't imagine having to do it while grieving for somebody who was very important to me right like I just your actual sister your actual sister how I don't get it so it just this everything we're, we're getting to a point where like, like it just uh, continues uh, to escalate. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of like how to word it really because there is no way to be like there's a good spin on this. These like, people are the worst. It just sounds they're, they're the worst. It's just and so abrupt sounding, and I'm taking like it. all of these people down with them. Yeah, with pretty is much what is killing me. So the wedding is slotted to happen at the end of June. Before that happens, Carla takes it upon herself to bring home a wedding present for Paul. <laughs> wedding present being we in say that heavy with air quotes. Because if you'll recall last week, his Christmas present was also a real mm-hmm. humdinger. So on June 7th of 1991, Carla calls up and invites one of her friends, who we're going to refer to as John, or I'm sorry, Jane Doe. I did that when I was like reading this back to myself. Why did I want to call her John? <laughs> Jane. 
And, um, and, and everything in all the court documents, she's also referred yes. to as Jane Doe. Her um, identity is kept a secret mm-hmm. throughout this entire thing, and I think you will understand why. Um, so she gets invited out for a girls' night by Carla. Jane was 15 years old, and she knew Carla from working at the pet store. From what I had read, they were super close, and she spent a lot of time with Carla, and then in turn, like, by default, spent a lot of time with Paul. Well, I, so I work, I work in a restaurant slash bar, so I work with a lot of people, not 15, but, like, who are younger than me. Also, I'm not going to take them out. Right. I mean, I'm in the town. I'm in the same boat, like, right now like schooled out so a lot of like high school kids that like work at starbucks are working with me and like they're girl same Mm. i mean i love everybody i work with and they keep me young but (laughs) but you wouldn't take them out no no when i find out that somebody i'm like oh my gosh we should like maybe get a drink or something and they're like oh i'm only 20 i'm like "Mm, maybe not then just kidding see you in a year well and then i feel weird about myself and it's a whole thing (laughs) like Trust, girl. Same. Well, I mean, we don't have kids, so I think that's where a lot of it goes. Is that like people? No, aunt, mm-hmm, child free for life. We have, we have <laughs> cats and we love them. Thank yeah, you very I'm much. a proud cat mom of five. I, I just have one, but he's very fat. He's and a handful. <laughs> um, so the girls were supposed to go shopping and they were supposed to go out to dinner. And instead, Carla takes her back to her place and gets her really drunk. Super drunk. And also, she laces her beverages. Yep. So, even more crunk to the nines. Because that's, like, what, you know, that's, like, her thing now. That is the M.O., I guess. So, when Jane <clears throat> lost consciousness, Carla calls up her husband-to-be and tells him that his surprise wedding gift was ready and waiting. Again... These psychos video record themselves taking turns sexually assaulting this poor young girl. Um, So Jane wakes up the next morning, has literally no memory of what took place the night before. The only thing she noted as out of the ordinary was uh, a feeling of nauseousness she had. But she chalked that up to drinking alcohol for the first time. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing she just went on about, obviously didn't report the sexual assault because she didn't think anything of it. Right. She didn't even know. She was invited back to the house again in August. Uh, and since she didn't actually know she was assaulted the first time, she went back willingly to spend the night. Again, she was drugged and sexually assaulted. Um, this time she actually stopped breathing, Jane did, during the attack. Yeah. So Carla calls 911. And this is where, like... You're like, oh, things can't get more sketch. Um, <laughs> a few minutes later, though, Carla calls 911 back and tells the operator that everything's just fine. Um, and they actually recall the ambulance with the zero follow-up. And this is what I was talking Somebody about. Somebody stopped breathing. This is what I was talking about last week when we like spoke about there being several incidents where the police did good work and they just couldn't get there but other times where things were just grossly mishandled like why was that not a red flag why did not like why didn't anybody go check on her they were just like oh okay i just assumed you got her breathing again cool 
even now though when you call 911 they'll still show up usually at the very least they're like like, they call you back and if there's I called 911 by accident one time and they were like uh what's going on I'm like I'm at the beach and I didn't even realize that I could connect to like anything I'm so sorry (laughs) well it's like if you hit the right number of keys on your keypad Mm -hmm. with pressure it will assume that you're in danger and call 911 which I appreciate right now with my cell phone but like also like oh god yeah. Lord, no. I'm fine. I was so <laughs> terrified. I was like, oh my God, like we're at my friend's beach house and we're kind of like, <laughs> they're going to like, the police is going to show up here and they're never going to let me come back. It was stressful. <laughs> so despite the fact that the ambulance never comes, nobody checks on her. She stops breathing. They resuscitate her, which seems to be happening kind of a lot is where well, somebody, d- mm-hmm. they, they don't know how to properly administer these drugs. Because they're drugs meant for animals correct correct? yeah so it's just like i'll go with whatever sounds right i think we learned also through recent years with this pandemic but like i learned while working at the pharmacy that like you can't just take as a human person like you can't just take medicine that is like designated for animals that's not how that works like dosages are different the chemical makeup of the drugs are different. I well, work in a your body like, that's taking yeah. it in is not the same. Correct. Out here taking horse trains and shit. Like what? Even Dumb like what is it like? Special K is like a tiger trank or something. Like that's what the fuck is wrong with people? Gotta get my. What buzz is wrong? With I gotta get my buzz on, girl. Ugh. Um, so somehow, despite all of these crazy, weird things trying to like hold this girl down, Jane Doe actually survives these attacks. Um, which will play a role later on. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to backtrack time-wise just a bit back to June 15th of 1991. 14-year-old Leslie Mahaffey gets kidnapped by Paul Bernardo. She missed her curfew and she was locked out of her home. Which parents used to do back then. Yeah. Not with a rapist. I guess, though, they they assumed by now the rapist was, like, so at this good. point, So, at this point, they're in St. Catharines. So, they... Who knows how much coverage of the Scarborough rapist story even got over there. Like, there was, True. like, a, from what I understand, it was, like, an hour and a half time difference. Well, like, so, you think about Canada as being, like, just right up there, or I I don't know. We're from yeah. Erie, Pennsylvania, so it's, like... Well, just a hop, skip, and jump away, falls, essentially. It's yeah. like, right there. But Canada goes the whole length of the United States, and right. then goes all the way up. Right. Like, the whole continent. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot more to canada than like we think of so i just wonder if it's kind of like like alaska's tacked on the side but it for all intents and purposes is just as wide and tall as the u.s i kind of think of it like us versus pittsburgh like how often do we really get news from pittsburgh like we get local stories we get national stories but like i don't i don't think the scarborough attacks would have been like would have international international coverage correct at least not at that point yeah that's kind of like where i was going with it so like that's kind of like you're right that's kind of like how i took it like they probably didn't even know so she misses her cur- and here's the thing too like one of the journalists on the documentary that we we'd mentioned it the last episode we watched the um, ken and barbie killers the lost tapes and there was uh, several journalists and detectives and law professors and lawyers and you know key players in this case and they were just kind of talking about um how 
Leslie was considered like a troubled teen. She was always getting into trouble and like hence why her parents locked her out of the house. So it was kind of one of those moments where the parents were like, you know what? Lock on the door. Like you have to learn kind of thing. And it's just unfortunate that this is this happened to be fatal for her. It was just perfect predatory means for this. Exactly. Because as we know from last week, Paul likes to stalk people. He probably followed her home from her friend's house and saw that she got locked out because what happened next is he approaches her and he convinces her to go to his car there he blindfolds her and he forces her into the vehicle he drives home and he tells carla that he brought them a new victim and after that they go on to video record themselves torturing and sexually abusing leslie and we should just make a note it is not one or the other that is participating like there's not one running the camera while one is doing the assaulting they're literally swapping back and forth Mm -hmm. like they're both equally culpable into this yeah for lack of better (laughs) for lack of better phrases yeah at one point leslie tells paul that her blindfold was slipping and investigators believe that that was ultimately what kind of did Leslie in. Like, the fact That's that there was... sealed her fade. Yeah, the fact that there was a chance that she could then go on to identify Paul and Carla kind of, like you said, sealed her fate. And they were like, well, we can't be... We can't we be can't outed. We can't that. Right. We've gone this far without being noticed. Exactly. So... The following day, Leslie was killed. And we have two different versions of the story. Per Paul, Carla gave her a lethal dose of halcyon, which, from what I understand, is another sedative. I think, I think, I tried to read up on it, but it auto-corrected my spelling, and there was a lot happening. I didn't know if it was Canadian versus American, or, like, what the deal was, but... Yeah. It's just a strengthy sedative. I mean, too much of anything... Medicinal wise, there's a reason why. Well, especially if she's already been drugged, which I'm sure she was. Exactly, and according to Carla, Paul strangled her. Regardless of what happened, they moved her body to the basement due to a family dinner that they were hosting the next evening. If I remember correctly, it was Father's Day. Gotta keep that they were celebrating. That's weird that this is practically Father's Day that we're recording. Oh my god. That is weird. Fate is weird. Whoa. Um, so once the whole family left the family dinner they hosted, uh, the couple actually decided <clears throat> to dismember Leslie's body, and they decided to encase those dismembered pieces in cement. Um, they decided to dump Leslie's body parts in Lake Gibson, which was approximately 11 miles south of their home. Um, this is... We think they're smart, but one of the blocks weighed around 200 pounds and was actually too heavy for them to push farther out. So they just left it near the shoreline. Um, This huge block of cement with body pieces in it um, was actually found by a man and his son while fishing on the morning of June 29th, 1991. Um, 
luckily, I suppose, for identification purposes, she did have dental work done, so they were able to use the dental records to, like, figure it out. Yeah. Um, and again, she wasn't considered a victim at first. They just considered her a runaway because she was a quote-unquote troubled teen. Yeah. It was really sad to watch the detective, like, the detective who ultimately, like, played a role in not looking for her for a hot minute, he he seems very remorseful, and I really felt for him, because a lot of times in these situations, like, you know, we've talked about this several times, like, police officers are trained, you know, when you hear hooves, think horses, not zebras, right. and it's just really unfortunate that... In these moments, it's zebras, and I don't really fault them. Oh, absolutely not. You can tell that he is tortured by this, and that's the thing that really sucks the most about this case is that I think everybody involved feels... Like, we could have done more, but we didn't yeah. know what we were... De- they didn't know they were holding a hand grenade, you know what I this mean? This case is very <laughs> haunting, I think, for a lot of investigators and journalists and things like that. And hopefully the prosecution later down the road. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. So, a quick little not-so-fun fact. Paul and Leslie got Carla. married... Oh my god, I did that earlier! Paul and Carla. <laughs> That's gross. I'm so sorry. That was gross. I can't believe I even said that. <laughs> No, it's autocorrect is a hell of a thing. You well, know, and I just got so tired and like cross-eyed while writing this. This was a lot of information to sift through, and I was really trying to make it easier to hear. If that makes sense. Well, and the timeline. There's a lot with this timeline. Yeah. There's a lot of details that are caca, icky, gross, yeah. like skin crawly, kind of. Also. I've been drinking. You'll have that. <laughs> so, I feel gross so, now. <laughs> this, this cocktail is a hell of a cocktail, I will say. It's yes. like a Long Island, but like pumped up on mm-hmm. steroids. So. And like, I don't really... This is the most I've drank in like years. <laughs> I'm such a lightweight, guys. But now I feel gross, but we're going to just move forward. So, Paul and Carla got married on the same day that Leslie's body was found by fishermen. You remember that big 200-pound block of cement? That would be the one. I think it really just speaks to their ego. Again, if you have the chance, just Google their wedding photo. (laughs) It, It... they're dead behind the They're eyes. They're dead eyes. But There's like, no soul there. God damn if that is not one of the most woof Especially ceremonies. Exactly. Like, they were celebrating with an obnoxiously lavish affair. Like, for Christ's sake, people, like, they literally had a horse-drawn carriage bring them to the wedding. It was like a weird Cinderella pumpkin one, too. Yeah. Like, it was not your run-of-the-mill, like, open-air carriage. If you didn't know that these people were complete fucking psychopaths, and you saw their wedding, you'd be like, oh my god, what a picture-perfect fairy tale situation. But, like, watching them, like, make jokes and just have fun with each other and literally get married. I would like a drink and also to punch you in your head. Honestly. And all of this while the police were searching the lake for Leslie's body. Which they knew because they put those body parts there. Okay, It was 11 miles away from their home and they got married relatively close to their home. Don't shit where you eat. Like, it's all right there. They they didn't give a fuck. That's the thing. They gave zero fucks. I know. So apparently, um, Ken and Barbie really like 
uh, holidays because their mm-hmm. next victim uh, goes missing April 16th, 1992. It's a Maundy Thursday, which I don't know. I'm not Catholic, but it's an Easter thing. It, oh, it was okay. Easter weekend. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, I read it. It was like Ma- Maundy, Maudie. Interesting. I don't know. I want to know. So Kristen French was 15 years old. She was abducted while walking home from school. She attended Holy Cross Secondary School, and she took the same route home every single day. Took her about 15 minutes. She'd come home and tend to her pet dog, which, aw. Right. As soon as there's an animal involved, I'm like, what the fuck? Or you don't, girl. Okay, so... I did a quick Google search. Maundy Thursday is part of the Christian celebration of Easter mm-hmm. and marks the night of the Last Supper as told in the Bible. Oh, there we go. Okay. So. That makes sense. That but does, again, it makes a lot of sense. These fucking assholes love their goddamn stupid holidays. <sighs> so Christmas, Father's Day, Easter. Gross. Can nothing be sacred? Mm. Um, so Paul and Carla see Kristen walking home. Um, they pull into a nearby parking lot. Carla, who's blonde and small and seemingly trustworthy, um, gets out of the car with a map. And she basically was like, hey, we're lost, girl. Can you, like, help help us figure out where yeah. we're supposed to go? Like, and opens up. Like, you know, in total ruse. Remember the map your dad had in the glove compartment <laughs> that was, like, yes. 14 miles wide by, yes. like, 6 feet tall for no apparent... How are you supposed to read that while you're driving? <laughs> Um, so Kristen falls for it. She gets out. She or She's helping Carla figure it out. Paul attacks Kristen from behind. He forces her into the car at knife point. Carla helps to subdue her by pulling her hair from the back seat because she's a fucking cunt. Yeah. Um, so immediately, thank God in this instance, Kristen's parents were like, she should have done been here. Like, why is the dog hungry? Why does he have to poop? So they call police right away. Yeah. Like, immediately, Finally. Um, within 24 hours, the Niagara Regional Police Services assemble a team. They search Kristen's route home. They actually found several witnesses who had seen the abduction from different locations. So that gave them a good vantage point of, like, yeah. what was happening. And they actually located one of Kristen's shoes in the parking lot. And this is, like, one of those instances where the police... They acted really quickly and just still wasn't enough. No, because over the course of the weekend, the couple videotaped themselves torturing and sexually assaulting Kristen, just like their M.O. She was forced to drink large quantities of alcohol and submit to Paul. She was never blindfolded. So they already knew what their end game was. Yeah. The other girls were blindfolded from yeah. what I read. So. Yeah, 100%. And so I don't think it's a leap to think that they had 100% intended to. Like, they murder liked it. What, they murder, probably liked it. Like, murder these fucking. Was, well, and they got away with it with Tammy. Yep. And, and they got away with it with Leslie. Leslie. So they yep. just assumed they'd just keep getting away with it. The couple killed... Ego's a bitch, y'all. Honestly. Like, these fucking psychopaths, man. The couple killed Kristen before going to Carla's parents' home for Easter. Uh, Carla, Carla later testifies that Paul strangled Kristen for seven minutes while she watched. 
Um, a journalist in the documentary that I watched alleged that Carla actually demanded that Kristen die. And there is footage of a police interview that they show in the documentary with Carla where she is saying that she, quote, knew she had to be gone, referring to Kristen, and that the couple had to go to dinner because they didn't have an alibi. Paul testified that Kristen tried to escape, so Carla actually beat her with a rubber mallet and then strangled her with a noose that was secured to a chest. Like a big one of, like, the big cedar chests that go at, like, the foot of your bed. Like, that they call, like, hope chests, but I couldn't actually bring myself to write the word because... there's no hope. (laughs) What? Like, it's just awful. To make the situation all the better... Kristen's body is found in a ditch in Burlington. Uh, the body did not have anything on. And it was a 45-minute drive from St. Catharines. They had washed the body, and her hair was cut off. Police originally thought this was a trophy. We've seen that a few times before. That it's true. And we just, I feel like it's common serial killer knowledge. Like, trophies are a thing. Right. But Carla testifies that this was done in this case specifically to impede police in identifying her this part really just made me want to like kool-aid man through a wall and like kill some bitches because fuck these people did you really think that a haircut was gonna like i just think it just speaks to their arrogance filled with rage where you just where they just discard people like Mm -hmm. garbage that makes me want to fight people (laughs) with my fist to cuffs out. <laughs> 100%. Like, she you. had a life. She was a nice girl. She took care of her dog. She walked right. home from school. What the fuck is wrong with you? Mm. So Who many things. <laughs> Filled with rage. Um, so, unfortunately, there are a handful of other women who might could have been victims of this killer couple. Um, the gaps in time and where these are at seem to account for how the couple allegedly spent their time in between the murders of Tammy, Leslie, and Kristen. None of this is confirmed, no. I don't think. These it's are just all, like, reported incidents that we thought was important to note. They fit the MO. They fit all of it. So mm. it might could be. So um, June 19th, 1990, Elizabeth Bain goes missing. Um, this is three weeks past the last known, um, Scarlsboro rapist attacks. Um, she went to check something out at the University of Toronto in Scarborough. How dare she? Right. Um, three days later, her car was found with a large blood stain on the back seat. Her boyfriend at the time, again, so again, we're seeing like random people being convicted for this. Right. He's convicted. He maintains his innocence throughout the appeals process. Um, In 2004, his appeal is processed. Alleged, he alleges a wrongful conviction and apparently Paul was guilty of this crime. Mm -hmm. Supposedly. Well, I mean, the timing checks out because 2004, that was like well into post-conviction for him. But I don't think they had... They didn't have any DNA or fingerprints or anything like that. It's just... It's quite quite possible that 
Paul was an easy scapegoat. It's also possible that there was no information available to us. Right. That spoke to whether or not they were connected. Because in 2008, the prosecution announces we are not going to call any evidence. Um, We asked the jury basically to vote not guilty because we don't have enough to send this person to prison for this. So I think after the fact, after like all this stuff with Paul and Carla like go down, I think that the crown was probably just like, you know what? It probably is Paul. Oh, and I learned in this documentary that um, they often refer to the prosecution or, like, the governing law body in Canada as the crown, and I thought it was fancy, so I sprinkled it in a little bit. so, you know, in the UK, they wear, like, the barrister's wigs. Yeah. And, like, they have, like, the robe, I think, in Mm. Canada. There were several instances. The UK, uh, up until recently, I believe, you could still opt to wear, like, your weird... I mean, if they're into it, it's cool. It's their, it's their, it's their heritage and culture, and our country stemmed from it. So I just don't understand any of it. I have watched a lot of snaps, and we're gonna get into some of those. Oh, for sure. But I'm curious how their legal system works. I find it's just different from ours. Yeah, and I find it very fascinating. For um. Sure. So whatever elizabeth bain is missing this guy gets off on it yeah whatever blah da, 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 da. um this girl we'll call her january girl because that's what they call her it happened the weekend of january 12th 1991 it actually this event i don't even yeah. know what to call it <laughs> That yeah. leaves a gross taste in my mouth. Incident has this been assault. the term. Yeah, assault and incident have been kind of like my go-to. Um, this assault took place at the Hamolka family home. So that's her parents' home. Yeah. Um, Paul sexually assaulted January girl while Carla watched. Um, and they allegedly dropped her off on some deserted road near Lake Gibson, which is where they dumped Leslie's body. Yeah. So it's all connecting back. I would assume that they refer to her as January girl in an attempt to... Um, keep her anonymous but also separate from jane doe right well because it as as you're seeing it just keeps piling up because these people are fucking crazy it just there's just more and more and more and just when you think that like we're getting to a point where there can't be any more there's more pages there's no more because on april 6 1991 at 5.30 a.m., Paul... Also, what the fuck are you doing out trolling around at 5.30 in the morning? I have some questions for you, sir. I have to be at work mm-hmm. at 5 a.m. most mornings, and let me tell you... No. If anybody is out and about at that hour, I'm immediately suspicious. Like, what are you doing? It's 4.45 in the morning. What are you doing? Questions. Unless you work third shift. It... I love how it takes me literally two and a half minutes to get to work, though, at 4.45 in the morning. Mm. <clears throat> Whatever. I'm done with work by, like, 9 a.m. It's... Not that bad. Girl, thank you, Starbucks. (laughs) It's really not that bad. Once you get used to it, it's not terrible. Mm. So, Paul, however, is terrible. And at this time on this day, he abducts a girl. She was warming up for a rowing team, like, exercise. It's like, no, it's like the big. Where you push the big, long, skinny boat yeah. with just your shoulder I like the muscles. Princeton crew is, like, yeah. a very well-known kind of rowing thing. There was a specific term that was in there, but I was like, I don't know what being a dirt-to-dirt for the <laughs> rowing team means. So I just figured it was easier yeah. to go. She rows. was, yeah, she was doing 
she was getting ready. So for all intents and purposes, practicing. this is like a physically fit girl. Yeah. Also, because rowing, I'm not kidding. Those bitches' shoulders is like. Oh, Their sure. shoulders have shoulders. <laughs> Super jelly. After like three hours of kayaking, I'm like, okay, I'm done. After like an hour, I'm like, wow, that was fun. <laughs> Let me just float. So, um, this poor girl gets distracted during her warm-ups by a blonde woman waving mm. from her car, who we believe is Carla. We and law enforcement and everyone else. She literally had, like, big-ass motherfucking blonde hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, This poor young girl was dragged into some nearby shrubbery. She was sexually assaulted. Um, After the fact, the uh, man forced her to remove her clothing and then told her to wait five minutes before leaving the shrubbery, and he takes this time to flee. So... Not confirmed to be Paul and Carla, but it sure does sound like they're fucking... That has literally all the earmarks. Yep. Um, Following up with that, on March 29th, 1992, Paul stalks and videotapes two sisters from his car and follows them to their parents' home. Also, I love these girls just as a side Yeah. These sisters see him and they report him two days later, but unfortunately they incorrectly recorded his license plate numbers. But later, April 18th, one of the sisters actually see Paul out and about, and she tries to follow him. This was during the time that Kristen was being held at their home, and Paul was out getting fucking dinner and running a movie. So, the goddamn audacity. From what I read, he was getting the movie and dinner to take home, right. which actually creeps me out even more, because you're going right. to have dinner and watch a movie while this like it's poor normal. girl is being held captive. Yeah. Mm. The audacity. The mother fucking audacity. <laughs> so the sister reports this, this to the police, but this is one of the examples where the police just completely mishandle the situation and nothing comes from it. So here's where things get fun for me because these bitches <laughs> are about to pay. Um, so we're going to start getting into the investigation and later the arrests of Paul and Carla. Um, it's a whole new kind of shit show there's some things that were done right and then some things that I was like god damn what the fuck um I'd like to note that by this point in time these two had been questioned by police at least three three (laughs) separate times in connection with the Scarborough rapist attacks with Tammy's death and with Paul's stalking Paul himself was individually interviewed by the police on May 12th 1992 But it was decided that he was an unlikely suspect because I'm charming. Look at me. (laughs) Yeah. I would never do such things. He just manipulates his way out of the situation. My wife. I have a wife. Who cares? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I've never even seen more of that. Yes. My wife. My wife. I always... I watch Bob's Burgers, so... My wife. Mark and I always mock the making of a murder episode of Always Sunny because Mac does that whole thing and he just goes, my wife, like out of nowhere for no reason and it's fucking hilarious. I say it all the time and I hope somebody will laugh at it, so... I got you. Hey, girl. (laughs) I got you, girl. Um, So this interview took place literally three days before the Green Ribbon Task Force was created. Um, Another interesting tidbit right here uh, is that right around the same time... (laughs) This makes me (laughs) laugh every time. (laughs) Okay. The couple (laughs) applied... 
for a legal name change, wanting to go from Bernardo to Teal, T-E-A-L-E. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sons of bitches. Um, so in May of 1992, Paul Bernardo is reported as a possible murder suspect. December of 1992, remember that DNA? Mm-hmm. Barely. Mm-hmm. It was so long ago. <laughs> they finally are starting to be tested. Yay! December 27th, 1992. Here, I think, not that this was like what popped the balloon, but like yeah. sort of, kind of, because I think this... it swerved her allegiance. Mm-hmm. This was, I like to put it, like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, this was, I think, just like the moment where Carla was like, you know what? How can I hurt you? And then, like, we move forward. Because she's fucking also a psycho. She's psychotic, yes. Um, so, Carla and Paul get into their biggest blowout yet. He takes a flashlight and beats the fuck out of her. Now, for the record, I am not applauding what happened to her by any means. Like, I've, I've been in domestic violence situations myself. We are not mocking that. We not are not at making all. light of that by not any means. All. And the way that he treats her is not okay. Unfortunately, what we're about to see is that she uses it as a weapon. And to that her is, advantage. And that is what is grinding our gears in the situation. She gives people like us that have actual things to be upset about right. a bad name. Correct. Um, so she goes back to work after the new year, and she tells people that she was in a car accident, which I, I don't know if you remember, but her coworkers were already suspicious yeah. of their relationship, even before they were married. Extremely so. Mm-hmm. Let alone, like, now. Um, so they call her parents. Her parents actually physically remove her from her marital home, her rented bungalow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the next day, Carla went back. You guys... Whatever Carla was searching for, she went back and she was frantically, like, tearing things apart to find this item. Um, They wind up dragging her away, basically, before she gets, I think, what she's looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, They take her to the hospital, and there she gives a statement to authorities claiming to be a victim of domestic violence, which, again, trigger warning. We think she's an active participant. Yeah. But we don't actually know. We have, I mean... Nobody from a certain point on has actually seen or heard the tapes themselves, and rightfully so. There's no need for it. There's none whatsoever. This case gets sealed and signed away, and whether or not we like the results of it is irrelevant. Those poor girls do not deserve to have what happened to them played over and over again. It's re-victimizing every single time. Every single time. It's just not... It's just not okay. And so... I just preach girl preach girl (laughs) it makes me so mad this whole thing makes me so angry I can't even begin to speak to it because like it makes us sound like we're assholes because she literally is like oh poor me like he beat me he did this thing and yes he did and yes that's terrible but like you're lying like she's lying about her involvement she downplays everything and what we're gonna get into is just a big pile of shit um, so they actually wind up filing charges against Paul, and he is arrested on his own recognizance. She moves in with family. Um, <clears throat> and this is, a, this is another one where I was like, 
could you be any more dramatic? Honestly. Like, oh my god. And also, would the world maybe not be better off? Mm. I don't yeah. condone it, but Paul intended to end his own life. I, I say that with quotes because he wrote a note and, like, he drove off by himself, but he didn't actually have any implements. He what didn't we, actually follow through. He didn't overdose. Right. He didn't... And the reason we say this is because what we what we know of Paul Bernardo is that he's manipulative. So this just feels like one of those things that he's trying it's to do. It's just a tactic, to, like, correct. feel bad for right. me. I just can't help but feel like he's manipulating the situation. I've lost people to same suicide. Girl, it's really girl. shitty. The amount of pain these people have to be in to get to that point, like that's not that's not what's that's happening here. That's not something here. you play with. In well, that's, our and world. that's also <laughs> not that's not what's happening here. Right. I think it's clear because it winds up that a friend actually finds the. I think he wrote a note. He did. So his friend found the note and intervened basically to save his life. Right. So Which to my dismay. Mm. So twenty six months later. Paul or police finally received the DNA results that confirmed Paul to be the Scarborough rapist. So finally, we're getting somewhere with things. This was like 47 months <laughs> after yeah. the middle attacks when it's, they started worrying about DNA and shit. Yeah, it's been quite some time. So he gets immediately placed under 24 hour surveillance, surveillance which, as, as he, he should. should. So, February 9th, 1993, Carla gives her first of many interviews to investigators. She focuses on her own abuse rather than the investigator's suspicions. And this is kind of where what we're talking about is that she, what we're going to see is she begins to construct a narrative. Because she's the victim, he's the the guy in, in charge, mm -hmm. and she was just following along. Right. She was scared. Dirty Later dirty. that same night, Carla reveals to her family that Paul is the Scarborough rapist, and that she and Paul were involved in the murders of Leslie and Kristen, and she tells her family about the tape. I think it was her, from what I read, it was her aunt and her uncle that she was staying with, yeah. and they were like... Well, and I mean, I wonder what so she So they was. immediately called the police right. and had the police come over and be like... <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys, but uh, what do you think she was searching so frantically for? Mm, that might could have been the videotapes. I'm just that saying. That they hid I'm in the saying. basement. Mm, suspicious. So authorities at this point decide to reopen the investigation into Tammy's death. So... I have this bit of knowledge mm. thanks to the Killer Queens podcast, and her body gets exhumed when they decide to reopen the case, and they find a fucking wedding invitation to Paul and Carla's wedding and notes from them, like, buried with her. What? So, I have watched several episodes of Snapped where, like, whoever killed the person that yeah. was buried was like, let me just yeah, <laughs> slide right. this in. Right. It was not at her sister and brother-in-law. I just... And look, a wedding invitation? I, their psychosis just seems to know no bounds. Well, and so, just, and this was their first murder. Right. So I think they were like, let us just test all of the boundaries. And then they got away with all of it. So mm -hmm. they were like, we can do anything. Well, and yeah, and just like everything else, I think it just speaks to their arrogance. And I think it speaks to the their amount ego, of that enjoyment. Ego. And oh. the amount of enjoyment they get out of this. Because, like, 
like we talked about last week. We need to drink some wine. <laughs> like we talked about last week, the during like the Scarborough rapist attacks, like he Paul enjoyed torturing his victims. He enjoyed fucking with them. It wasn't to the level in which Tammy had to suffer or the other one, like other women like Leslie and, and Kristen. Kristen. And but, even Jane Doe. But he still twice. Yeah. He still took it to a point in which he like we know he enjoys manipulating people. We know that's something he likes. So like that's so gross. Thankfully these items get removed before they rebury Tammy. Oh God, let that girl rest in peace. This poor fucking family, like so, this is where things for me mm-hmm. get, like... Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm always filled with rage when we talk these cases, but Let's stuff like tables. this makes... This... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, we'll just get into it. I'll address my feelings later. <laughs> so, Carla, at this point, lawyers up. She hires George Walker. He immediately seeks legal immunity in exchange for Carla's complete 100% cooperation. Side note here, the couple's... <laughs> remember their last name change, y'all? Um, it gets approved on February 13th, 1993. It apparently was the last name of a serial killer in a Canadian yeah. movie mm-hmm. that they were like, maybe we can just go by it and we won't be incriminated or I don't quite know what their thought process was but it doesn't matter (laughs) um the very next day so I think that's Valentine's Day it is Carla's lawyer Ken and Barbie Valentine's Day y'all are you seeing the even like yeah um so Carla's lawyer meets with the Crown Criminal Law Office Director one Murray Siegel (laughs) Um, They discuss the existence of the videotapes, and Walker is informed that Carla will not be able to receive full immunity. After all, she was so involved in all the crimes, and there's actual video evidence of all of it. keep in mind, at this point... They had not viewed the videotapes. They had not, and they're only going based off of Carla's version of events. And even that was not enough to gain her full immunity. So just keep (laughs) that in mind as we move forward. Put that with an asterisk and a big... Big pin in it for later. (laughs) Punch in the face. So on February 17th, 1993, finally, this motherfucker, Paul Bernardo, is arrested. Um, The Crown is able to secure a search warrant, but it is limited. No evidence which was not expected and documented in the warrant could be removed from the premises. So it was like one of those things, like it was very Mm -hmm. specific. From what I understood. And most search warrants are. You have to have a I very... I think they could reiterate and, like, readjust yeah. as the day went on. Which, as we see, they do end up doing that. The weird part to me was that all videotapes found by the police had to be viewed in the house. Probably because... I Okay, so... My that is, way you couldn't tamper with it? Well, or? I think that it has more to do with the fact that they probably knew that they were likely to find a lot of videotapes. Like, we we know that they recorded a lot of... Inver- the like, thing. a lot of footage. Ooh, yeah. So, I would imagine... They recorded everything, you guys. So, I would imagine rather than entering all of that into evidence and them going through it, they probably were like, see what it is first, and then go from there. Right. Um. So... The damage had to be kept to a minimum. Apparently, they couldn't just, like, break down walls and shit. (laughs) Um, The search, which included all of the updated warrants, lasted for 71 days. Yeah. Which, to me, is just bananas. 
Um, the only videotape that was found by police showed Carla, you know, the star witness, uh, performing oral sex on Jane Doe. Yeah. The fact that the search lasted 71 days and they found nothing is beyond Appalling. me. So this is when things start to get real K-Razzy, you guys. <clears throat> Carla gets offered a plea bargain on May 5th, 1993 and is told she has one week to accept it. The deal was contingent on her testifying against Paul, and if she declined, the Crown would charge her with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of second, and other crimes. Carla agrees to the deal, a sentence of 12 years. So, it's wow. broken down five years for Leslie, mm. five years for Kristen, mm. And two years for her sister. Mm. Two years for her own fucking sister. None of those are enough for the lives of those women and the lives of the other women who were vastly changed forever because of their actions. So this plea deal is finalized on May 14th. And she then begins to give her statements to police during which she claims that Paul has boasted about how he had raped as many as 30 women, which is twice as much as the police thought possible. Because that's what... Well, I think that's what their documented cases exactly. were. And which just goes to show what we talked about last week. Like, we all know that sexual assaults and sex crimes are not reported in the same way as any other crime. Right. So, the ones that we spoke There's about... There's a lot of shame. Yeah. And the ones that we spoke about last week are just the ones that were reported. So, who really knows? Only Paul does. So... <clears throat> this is where we <clears throat> you didn't think you could be more mad and then you read about the deal so it's this is like a big huge asterisk rocket ship um, <laughs> it's extremely important to note that Carla's plea bargain was offered before any of the tapes were seen other than the one with Jane Doe right um, they were not seen by law enforcement before this. They At literally, all. they literally took her word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the only people who had seen the full contents of the tapes were Paul's lawyer and his clerk. Which the cr- the thing that the thing that's <laughs> crazy about that is that after it really grinds my gears, y'all. After the search warrant was executed and the prosecution was finished with the house. The defense then asks for ask access to the home, which makes sense. Okay, cool, whatever. And they're granted. And they're given it. And Paul draws the lawyer, his lawyer, a map. Of where the fucking tapes he are He literally hidden. walks into the room. He removes the light fixture. He reaches his hand all the way into it, into this compartment, and finds six tapes. Um, so once the defense had these motherfucking tapes, um, they should have been turned over to the prosecution basically been. immediately, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't do that. They, in fact, sat on these tapes for 17 months. The lawyer was like, this is my big, he was going to be like, this is my big gotcha moment. This is my big aha But really, he was just breaking the law. Yeah, so much suppressing of evidence. Um, All the while, Carla is all in the prosecution's ear. She's painting a picture that tells a very different story than from what the actual videotaped tapes tell. Yeah. Because you can see it's her. Yeah. Like, there's no mistaking who it is. 
Um, don't forget, she's extremely smart. It's not a stretch that she was able to play the battered woman role well um, and convince people that her participation was forced. Um, she, she got away with it. I mean, think That's about it from the, per, the investigator's point of view. They meet Carla in the lowest moment she probably has. I mean, let's be real about it. And they can only see what's in front of them. I get... I don't blame them by any means. But I don't what's either. frustrating is that we know what's on these mm. tapes. Mm-hmm. The defense knows what's on these tapes. And had they turned them over when they found them... They never would have made that deal. They never would have made it. Because, again, it's... it's 12, year, 12 years in prison? 12. For taking the lives of three, three girls. People actively participating in the murders of three different women. I just can't. I can't even. Um, she did make it sound, Carla, like she tried to befriend these poor girls, made it sound like maybe they were all like victims in it together. Um, she knew the police wouldn't be able to find the tapes right away. Um, and she started to become very comfortable with law enforcement. She constructed a narrative that put everything on Paul. She even addressed her sister. I mean... Because she had to. You got to get ahead of that big fucking boulder, Indiana Jones. Um, Because she knew damn well what was on those motherfucking tapes. Um, To help seal the deal, she actually even divorced Paul in February of 1994. You know, from jail. Pound you in the butt jail. (laughs) Paul gets a new lawyer right before trial. Paul Rosen. His old one gets into trouble for withholding evidence. Not even that big of trouble though. They were like, maybe don't do that again. Slap it on the wrist. I don't believe he practiced law after this though. I tried to find any like From what I read, Canadian people are like, fuck these people. I hope they rot on the stake. Like, I mean, I I don't blame them. If you are in law enforcement or the legal field or a politician and you are not acting in the best interests of the people around you the people that you're supposed to take care of or keep safe you can fuck right off yes and if you make a mistake this 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 might not seem like a big deal but this man withheld damning evidence for almost two years so they called that the deal with the devil that they made with Carla because she basically got off scot-free the thing that makes me mad about three that first degree murders because that was planned right that was all premeditated mm-hmm. like the thing that makes me mad about the whole deal with the devil thing though is that the defense is the one that tur- that coined that and like he just wanted his moment in court like that's what it feels like. It feels like the defense attorney was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm sitting on this big fucking. Bomb I'm gonna shell. make my name off this. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's even grosser. And all actually. you did, like, you just, you just ensured that um, justice is not gonna get served. <laughs> Trying to blow out the candle that we have lit, so we don't light on fire. Um, so, old lawyer is getting in trouble. Paul Rosen takes over the case, and when he does, he watches the tapes for himself since they're in his custody, and then he hands them over to the Crown. God fucking bless you, sir. He comes up with this with the defense's strategy. I remember the law clerk that was working this case from the documentary, and she looked like just the sweetest little person who never should have laid eyes on these tapes, and she had to watch them as well. And all she of them, and probably document them all. She sat there, and she was like... 
Paul was 100%, you know, liable and, and did all these terrible things. But what makes me angry is that Carla did too. And that's where we're at right here. <laughs> so I know these bitches were equal motherfucking partners in right. this. There was no he and she. It was a we right. thing for so sure. Rosen has to come up with a defense strategy. How are you going to defend this guy? You focus on the fact that while the assault, the assaults themselves were caught on tape, the murders weren't. And that just because Paul is a sexual sadist does not mean he's a murderer, which technically can be true. I don't personally believe it, I but mean, whatever. Um, in fact, you can kind of see plain as day that the prosecution's star witness, and literally, like, their only evidence <laughs> that they have against Paul is a very active participant, participant in these crimes. So, you guys, I went back and forth when I was writing this story. I really struggled a lot with a lot of parts. I decided that I'm not going to talk about anything that's in the tapes outside of what we had already spoken about. It's not necessary. I will. I refuse to contribute to any further re-victimization. If you want to know more, the documentary that we have mentioned several times and that I will make sure is listed Linked, for you yeah. in our description of this episode is they have. They talk about it. They go through it. You can watch, just like I did, the people who were affected by this tell you their story. I, I would recommend it. It's definitely a really well-done documentary, and I think that the people who had to suffer through this needed to tell their story and get it off their chest. That being said... We're not going to go into we're it. We're not going to go into it. It um, was really awful. All of it was awful. I, I'm good. <clears throat> What was recorded and then seen by the jury later, as well as as well as the victims' families, because they had to sit through that in court. Because what ultimately was decided in the courts is that the jury would view the tape, so they would see and hear. But the TV monitors were set up in a way that the rest of the courtroom, which was packed every fucking day, because it was a spectacle, just like it fucking happens here in the States. Like, the... The room only got to hear it. And these victims' mothers and fathers and family members had to sit in that jury. I just... It's good. We're good. We're just going to move forward. This case was really tough for us to get through, and I just don't want to speak these things into existence because they just... I don't want to give them that power. It's bad enough that they happened in actuality. Exactly. I don't want to give them more, like, media presence. That being said, <laughs> if you want more information, we are going to have some sources listed for sure. Um, so the trial itself was obviously difficult for everybody involved. Um, the Crown, and this is the part that just like bunches my panties like so <laughs> it hard. grinds my gears. The Crown had no choice but to move forward with the deal they had made with Carla because she was basically like the star witness. Well, and they said that, and, and like, okay, logically I can follow this line of thought. They said that they did not want to... They did not want to ruin their integrity with fur with future witnesses. Right. But she lied. Right. About literally everything. Right. Because as soon as you watch any of the videos, mm-hmm, 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 um, so the Crown's pissed. Yep. But they're like, I guess we'll just tromp on forward. They wanted to get Paul. That's really where it well, came, came from. And I, and I understand why. A, he is a very, da he still is a very, very right. dangerous man. Um, so the trial 
this whole trial was really the first of its kind for Canada. It was one where video evidence, especially recorded by the perpetrators themselves, yeah. really played like a super important role. Um, and it really affected how things proceeded when it came time to go to trial. So they actually put, which I didn't know was a thing, they put a publication ban in place. It was a court yeah. order which prohibits the public and media from disseminating certain details of an otherwise public uh, trial. I found this super interesting, especially could you imagine if that happened in the States? Well, would People you? would lose their goddamn minds. My rights, my rights. <laughs> my freedom. Um, so this was imposed on Carla's preliminary hearing to yeah. protect Paul's right to a fair trial. Um, I guess <laughs> luckily or just whatever. It didn't work because, as we said, so we live, what, like two hours away from Canada for not all intents far, and purposes. Yeah. Like, you could technically drive across, like, not drive across the lake. You could ride a boat across the lake to get to Canada. I just was crying because I was like, people were bootlegging. They were <laughs> smuggling bootleg copies of American, like, true crime TV shows and newspapers. Yeah. Like, the New York Post, like, yeah. across, like... Like, Buffalo's, like, hometown, like, newspaper. Anybody, anybody with, like, ten or more copies copies was like flagged as like somebody yeah. to be suspicious of and I yeah. was just like Who? it really it, I just find it so fascinating because like it just really reached a level that of people, sensationalism yeah. that like we we're yeah. used to here that's but I don't the perfect think, word I don't think Canadian people I don't know correct me if I'm wrong are you in Canada do you guys <laughs> have this kind of crazy bat shitness all the time at least we're just immune to it honestly at this, at this point. point Jesus maybe not us but like everybody <laughs> around us um so obviously none of this worked Paul's tried in 1995 for the murders of Leslie and Kristen because, like we said, they they exhumed Tammy's body, but I don't think they ever. I don't think they anything came of it. I think that they were the thing is they relied just so heavily on Carla that I just don't think they tried hard enough. I hate her so much. <laughs> She's the fucking worst. Um. So the trial includes a lot of detailed testimony from Carla plus the actual videotapes. So that's why Bree mentioned that like it got really horrible for the family mm. um paul testified because <laughs> of course he did because he was going on ego the deaths were accidents um and he said later on that carla was actually responsible for the deaths which i actually might could believe paul's also the fucking worst i hate them both I think it's like two gross equal parts of a equal caca pie or something like they're Honestly, the worst they really are so on September 1st, 1995, he is convicted. Two charges of first-degree murder, two charges of aggravated assault. He is sentenced to life in prison without parole for at least 25 years. And here's the weird part. I didn't know you could be... So in Canada, you can be designated a dangerous offender. So it's likely that he won't ever make parole. Yeah. It might could be a thing, but probably not because he's like literally that. shown no remorse for any part of this. I really like that they have that because that designation. Yeah, because like here in the states, you know, we have mandatory minimum sentences, mandatory maximum sentences, and while I don't always agree with the appropriateness of them, I appreciate that as part of our legal process. And I find it interesting that Canada has something very similar. So I imagine that part of parole just happens to fall in line with the charges that he got. 
But having this tag, I think, just ensures later on down the road that they take an extra look at what he did. Because he does not deserve to see the light of day outside of a jail cell. Well, he no, does no. not. <clears throat> just in some good jailhouse karma, um, <laughs> he was kept segregated at Kingston Penitentiary, but this didn't actually stop him from getting harassed because other inmates will... Yeah. Especially if you're pretty. I think they're gonna fuck you up. Well, and he went after kids, and as we've discussed in many previous episodes... We don't like you. There is a hierarchy. The people... It's true. When... When violent offenders are offended by what you did... You're on a whole nother level. Like, I just think that really says something Girl. about who you are as a person. So, in 2006, February 21st, Paul actually confesses to 10 additional assaults that happened before 1986. 10 more. So, in addition to the Scarborough Rapists, it's all just more. More. More and more. Because there was, I did see it on YouTube. I did watch it on YouTube for about 10 minutes before I wanted to barf. But it's literally him just sitting all like slung back in his chair with this like Coca-Cola. Oh, was that the police interview? Mm-hmm. I watched the entire 35 minutes of that interview. I can't. I, I got, wish I, I got didn't. too mad. I wanted to punch through my screen. The thing that gets. I can't afford a new TV. <laughs> We're. Well. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that's linked also because I do find it very fascinating in like a case study kind of way because Paul's Paul is so offended that another branch of law enforcement like called him a liar basically and he's obsessed with the fact that Carla has never gotten a polygraph which fair she should have they should have worked harder Mm -hmm. at figuring out if she was telling the truth or not but like it's just any he there's so many non-answers he deflects like it it was hard to watch one again so he's also a suspect in a string of rapes in amherst new york because you know that's right across the border yeah well and remember once upon a time he was allegedly smuggling cigarettes across the u.s border supposedly and supplying them to tammy yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, he also may or may not have been a suspect in a drowning in St. Catharines. However, he has not acknowledged any involvement in these cases, but they a lot of them fit the MO. Yeah. Like that might could be him. He was there at that time. Right. Um, so in 2015, for some godforsaken reason, he was eligible for parole. Um, he was denied. Um, that Thank same no, that same November, he self-published a book called "A Mad." So it's quote, all capitals, "A Mad World Order." End quote. It's a violent fictional ebook that was actually literally available for purchase on Amazon. Does that give you big like O.J. Simpson's "If I Had Done It" vibes? Because mm. like. O.J. Simpson wrote a book basically admitting that he killed his wife because he fucking killed his wife. We'll be getting to that <laughs> later. But I just yes. feel like this is the same deal. Like when I read that, I was just immediately like, okay, so what? I'm not reading this book. I refuse to seek it out. I'm not doing it. By November 15th, this book was allegedly an Amazon bestseller. I could see why. But people are morbidly fascinated by these things. The public outcry made it, like, removed. Yeah, I'm sure I could find it on the interwebs. I'm good. 
I'm good on that. Um, so October 2018, he was found to have possession of a shank stabby stabby <laughs> type weapon because it said shank and then you could click on it. It was like, it's like a knife, but yeah. like homemade. And I was like, everybody knows what a prison shank is, yeah. right? Or do they not? I don't know. I mean, I'm it's a hand carved stabby stabby thing. I would imagine if you were listening to true crime podcast us specifically you probably know what a shank is shank i'm just gonna right don't test me um so the charges are dropped because obviously he's like this weird crazy offender and he's like in jail for like super violent crime um so his parole is designed designed denied in that same month as well as in june of 2021 it took them one hour to decide that that motherfucker was not yeah he's not palatable to human consumption so this entire this this entire time that you've joined us for this past hour or so in the hour previously that we spoke about this i think you may have gathered that i don't fucking care for carla homoka we hate her y'all here's she is the as we know carla is tried and sentenced on june 28 1993 she gets 12 years she serves her whole sentence because like it's fucking 12 years for the murder there's of three also people. lots of reasons for that though she she writes a letter to her family in 2008 Apologizing, but she's still blaming Paul for everything, despite her own family hearing the tapes themselves and and seeing. Like they had to watch clips of it in right. court. I just I don't know how you come back from that. But she's staying t- very true to her narrative, and that's not surprising in any way, shape, or form. Um, while she was in prison, she earned a degree in psychology. Now, one thing that really got me during the documentary was there was this. Um, like video and audio experts like analysts of some kind and she was actually the one who mentioned that like re-watching these videos is a form of re-victimizing and it just really it really struck me and I'm gonna keep that in mind like moving forward with things but she also spoke a lot about the impact of what it had and just kind of generally what that meant and at one point she speaks about Jane Doe's opinion about things. So it turns out, guys, Jane Doe was never consulted about whether or not she wanted to press charges against Carla and Paul. Even though she survived being sexually assaulted on two different occasions and almost aspirating and and dying on one. They knew about her. I'm not entirely sure how that happened or, like, how that whole information gathering went down, but she was not given the choice and this is what we were referring to at the beginning of last week's episode jane doe does not get any kind of justice in this tammy got basically nothing and leslie and kristen it's all just none of them did and especially when you look at carla's deal like that makes me wanna like i said just punch through a wall and cut a bitch because she earns a, she earns a degree and apparently John Doe she Jane earns Doe, a degree so it said that like some of the money was put in by her family which I also find traumatizing but a lot of it was put in by like boyfriends mm-hmm. and like admirers and like 
you're gross. Well, and then the Canadian, the Canadian taxpayers get very angry when they find mm-hmm. out about this whole situation also because oh, they, they have pay for it. As they fucking should be well, pissed. And Jane, pissed for you. Jane Doe writes a letter to the Crown basically stating, like, how is it fair that she gets a better education than I do? Right. And that I had to pay for. Are you On fucking kidding dime. me? Mm. I just can't with this. Like... It'd be one thing if she was actually a victim. It would be one thing if what she said was true. If Paul truly terrorized her, and and, and I'm sure to some extent he may have. Like, I don't want to assume that it was 100%. I don't, I don't know. Nothing about this case makes me feel good. Nothing in those videotapes, though, proves that she's a victim. Yeah. And I think that's what really gets me. And that, even like, the prosecutors were like, we done fucked the fuck up. Yeah. Like, we should not have made that deal on them. Like, no, they shouldn't have. And that is ultimately what makes me so fucking mad about this. 12 and years is literally nothing in it's the grand nothing. scheme of life. So, during her release hearing, because she gets one of those, she's deemed to not be a danger to society Mm. but get this shit there's a professional that goes on the record stating stating that they believe that she very well could become dangerous again but only if she finds another sexual status that brings that out in her which it actually was like this big public outcry because she hooked up with a murderer and while she was in jail. Yeah, while mm-hmm. she was in jail, and they were like, "Yo, the fuck are you doing?" Which leads to her getting released on July fourth, two thousand five. She has plans to settle in Quebec. Um, she gives an interview during which she speaks entirely in French because she also learned French while she was in jail. I mean, so you get a free education? Like, like a good a education. Like a good education at that. That's... Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't even get me started. So, she, she, you know, she gets it free, but she has a set of restrict... Uh, restrict... Oh, my God, words. Given... <laughs> I'm so mad. She's given a set of restrictions. Which, so this is July. Mm-hmm. Yep. If all these would have stood for the rest of her life, cool fucking beans. Right. But these all get lifted as of November 30th, 2005. So they don't even make it a year. <laughs> police are to have her home and work address and a list of who she lives with, and she must notify them of any changes. She must notify police of any name changes, because as we know, she already, she already tried that one. That bitch, it got granted. This is the one that really kind of made me chuckle, is that she must give police 72 hours notice if she plans to be away from home for more than 48 hours. Because they need to know where you're at, bitch. Well, they can tell her that way. Mm -hmm. She was not allowed to contact Paul or the families of any of the victims, as well as any other violent criminals. So does that mean her family? I don't know. Because she wrote them that apology letter, heavy air quotes. So, and it said that her mom had nervous breakdowns, like, every month. Quite frankly, if I was her family, like, I don't think... I wouldn't want to be associated with you. I've got no contact for less. (laughs) Let's be real about it. (laughs) Like... I'm not judging. No. As you should. They are also terrible. (laughs) They're not murderers, but they are also not cool. (laughs) But, um... I could definitely see her family just being like, you know what? 
after the tapes, I would like to think that they just because there that. was in my research, it was like her mom has basically a nervous breakdown every yes. Christmas and like every June or something. Well, of course, don't wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I sure fucking. Would. I think it's Tammy's birthday and then every Christmas, so it's like twice a year, and she basically has to be institutionalized because she's borderline. I can hysterical. only imagine. I have panic attacks myself. I'm borderline hysterical just thinking about it, yeah. and I'm not related to any of these people. I can't imagine if my daughter killed my other daughter. The right, fuck? exactly. Like I know oh, what it's damn. like to experience like a PTSD mm-hmm. kind of like trigger episode, yeah, for sure. and like. What this poor woman has to go through is, like, not even anywhere close to, like, what I have. Like, she I couldn't keeps even... writing them letters, like, I'm so sorry, but Leave I, didn't, alone. I didn't do anything. Leave these people alone. Mm. And this is, the, this is the thing. How fucking dare you? You get to go live your life with what? You can't... You can't be around a better criminals. Education, speaking to languages. Like, she can't be around people under 16. No drugs. She had to continue therapy. Oh, oh no. Cord. How dare you? Oh, no, oh and she had to give them a DNA sample. Like, oh, no, poor baby. Like, you had to suffer so much to get out of fucking jail after murdering three people and sexually torturing a shit ton of others. Like, you can fuck all the way off. Twelve years in jail. This is why they called that the deal with the devil? Yes, 100%. Because they made it before they realized, but they never should have god dang made it. They didn't think they had any other... I don't think they think... They did not think they had any more evidence on Paul, other than Carla's testimony. Exactly. And she was a very willing participant in her testimony in the assault. Well... and we mentioned, you know, earlier, I can't remember if it was this episode or the last one, but we mentioned how she gets comfortable with police. Like, she knows at the point, at a certain point, that the police were unable to find the tape. So she knows that no matter what, like, she had to get her deal. She had to. And that was what her and her lawyer's focus was. And that's and what happens. Paul let her have that. Paul, he okay. gave up the tape. So, he just didn't know his defense attorney was a fucking moron. Correct. And I think that he hoped that that would stop. So, according to that interview with Paul, he... I don't like it. I couldn't it watch was weird. a lot of it. But I watched the whole thing. It gave thing. me a lot of anxiety and, like, creepy crawlies. Yeah, I could see why. I but know. I watched the whole thing anyways, so you don't have to. And what he said was that he did not pay attention to any... Like, he wasn't he was like on a news blackout he did not read anything about the trial none of that kind of stuff he had no idea and and this goes for a lot of media in the public and a lot of people involved they did have the media blackout they did not know that carla made the deal until her deposition one and like we discussed apparently the crown made the uh blackout ban kind of thing where, like, you couldn't get local news right. unless somebody's smuggling it up their butt in the newspaper. Right. Like, you're not going to know. And, like, Paul was under 24-hour surveillance when he wasn't actively being held in jail. So, it's not like he had a lot of access to what was happening. He honestly probably had the thought process, like, this, these tapes, like, yeah, they solidify, like, what I did. But they also don't show that I'm a murderer. And they also show that Carla is not who she says she is. Because this brings us... So she's been released in 2005. Not even 20. 2005. 
Um, June of 2006, she is denied a name change because... As she should be. I'm going to assume she wanted to fly under the word or... She wanted to make it something French. Yeah. From what I read. Because well, she was living in a very French-heavy mm-hmm. area of Quebec. Like, specifically they so. They speak French. Yeah. Quebec, Montreal, it's mm-hmm. all... She went... Her entire goal was to go somewhere where hopefully nobody would figure she got, out who she was. She wound up getting transferred to a prison that was in Quebec. That makes sense. So she just thought she'd be able to be released and be like, hey, y'all, here I am. Carla. Whatever like, the French version is of that. Whatever Hamalka is in French, you tell me. <laughs> um, so in 2007, somehow, she gives birth to her first child. Um, from what I read, a lot of the nurses on the ward were like, no, thank you. We don't want to care for you. We yeah. don't like you. We're good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know how true that is, but it's... a. I, I read it, it. I read it from quite a few sources. Um, because it said she moved to some kind of island. I don't know if it was off the coast of Canada or if it was somewhere tropical, mm. but she moved to an island. I'm pretty sure it was in Canada. I think she's still I in Canada. I can't remember. She is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2010, it's reported that Carla may be able to be pardoned for those crimes that Get she committed. Get the fuck out of here with mm-hmm. that. Like, no. But... For once, God bless the crown, they mm. were like, we're going to just fast track this bill. It's going to limit any kind of access to, like, getting pardoned for, like, violent crimes. Yeah. So it's going to be on your permanent record literally forever. As it should be. Um, so as of January 2020, which is not that long ago, y'all, um, she's living in southwestern Quebec, um, but without her husband or any of her three children. And uh, she had three children. If I had to take a guess as to why that is, according to this documentary, she did a pretty good job of not letting anybody know who she was. Mm. And somebody found out and somebody spread the word. They fucking blew the lobster pot lid like right off. And literally, like overnight, she's getting bombarded on the way of taking her kids to school. Parents don't want anything to do with. She was heavily involved in like PTA she was, like, and things a PTA like that. Mom, mm-hmm. like hard. And everybody was like, "Skirt, we're gonna have to be like, no, thank you, ma'am." And we've touched on this before with like Ted Bundy and things like that. Like, do I feel for her kids? Absolutely. Like, you didn't choose to have your mom, who like be a vicious. Why murderer. in God's fucking name would that woman bring innocent children into this world? I think that it just speaks to her arrogance. Her ego. And her ego. And She's her like, socio- than hair flip. Well, in her sociopathic nature. Like, she probably didn't think. So, honestly, like, the karma that you deserve is to truly be in jail and have to suffer for the rest of your life. But from what I, like, not getting to be with your husband and children, you don't, you deserve that. I'm sorry. Her children deserve a chance to have a normal life. And I'm sure without her in it. Like in their lives, they can have that. She's right. She girl. does not deserve to have I don't even like kids. Like and she just like she does not deserve to have them. She should not be allowed to enjoy her life. Well, I like read it and I was like, Oh, those poor babies. Yeah. And then I was like, Fuck that bitch. Because I literally was like, I I She's obviously So just as like a end point to this, so the videotapes we discussed, um, they're horrific. They're really awful. The clips they cut out of them were, like, just them walking around and stuff. But, yeah. like, 
they destroyed them in 2001. Yeah. They deemed that there was nothing more to be gained from them, which, thank God, because... Um, They also did um, seal Carla's detailed depositions as to, like, what was happening. Because I think they basically, from what I read, had her watch them and, like, narrate it. Yeah. From what I understood, that's what happened as well. um, The home that Carla and Paul shared and murdered in was also destroyed. Um, So, I guess, to that degree, the victims' families have some kind of closure. But, like... I... At the end of the documentary, when they're speaking about this, both families make a statement. And they were both very moving. And I can't remember what one... What... um, Leslie's family said, but I remember that Kristen's family ended theirs with you don't have to be hurt anymore and that we love you. And that's exactly what keeping those videotapes around could potentially do and that's why I didn't want to get into details. Well, especially now, we watch a lot of Criminal Minds. There's mm -hmm. some Penelope Garcia out there, like, hacking into stuff. Like, I'm sure it exists somewhere. I hope that even Penelope Garcia can't find this, because there's no reason for it. Unfortunately, What those girls went through was just really horrific, and what these people did to them was just... Paul Bernardo will die in a cell. He will. 100%. And hopefully... Either someone will beat the snot out of him, (laughs) and he will be like, just blah, or he will die of old age. But again, he's a violent offender, so they will not let him out. And unfortunately, with the way that Canadian law works, like, Carla's situation is what it is. So quite frankly, I hope that she just lives a miserable life. I hope she never gets any peace. I hope her kids get to enjoy their lives and have something really great. Because they deserve that. So she was in contact with another serial killer while she was in prison. So they flagged her for that and were like, yo, bitch, calm down. She got out of prison, married another man? Yeah. I just don't... Oh, the man she married was her lawyer's brother, Mm. BTW. I'm sorry, what? So he knew everything that happened? Yeah. Everything that she did. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And like we said, there was the one psychologist that was like, if she meets up with somebody like Paul Bernardo again, this could be a thing again. Yeah. And I just don't know why... I don't know why this bitch is free. Yeah. Like, out and about. From what I've seen and read, she's not going to get to live a peaceful existence. And let me tell you, if I ever happen to run into her, <laughs> like, I will probably I'm get arrested for myself. I'm like, all, like, mad PTA mom, but also, like, I will go, like, mad PTA mom on your ass. <laughs> like, let me fix my ponytail. Like, we're gonna fight. This one was difficult. And also... I kind of want to just close things out on a note. I'm going to make sure that I list any kind of domestic violent resources that exist in our country. Abuse is never okay. And I'm going to make sure that I list things that can help you heal from sexual assault. And as Sue's mentioned, we both have histories that this case... Plenty. A plenty. That this case really touched a nerve It did a lot. And this was kind of a true test of our true crime podcasters. And I'm proud of us. We got through it. I didn't cry. (laughs) Um, But that being said, 
if you are in a situation that you that is dangerous or you have been assaulted we're here reach out honestly to anybody i mean honestly i know that i'm just a stranger to some people um I know that I have friends listening too, which, hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, but if you need somebody to talk to, just know that we we understand. We're here. We're we, giving you hearts and love <laughs> and all the good And vibes. we're going to make sure that you guys have, um, that there's resources available because I think that's important. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that was that. We're going to. Y'all, was that not a fuck ton of shit? And that was sweet. So we thought about doing it in one day, and then we were like, no, 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 ma'am. No, no, ma'am. No. So I'm really happy that we just got this one out of the way. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so moving forward, we're going to start sprinkling in some other fun things. We're going to leave Ken and Barbie behind us. Bye-bye. Fly, fly. Fuck these bitches. We'll they are no never. longer. <laughs> Um, and we're going to move in, move on to other cases. Uh, we're thinking some spooky stuff. We, we are. want to branch out ever so slightly. If you're listening and you have something specific that you would like to hear, please let us know. We would love to get like some case Just pitches. Comment on any of our socials. Yeah. Um, hit us up. Uh, we're always open to... Yeah investigative we're just kind of like doing what we want (laughs) i love the internet so it's fine nobody cares what we do right now yeah obviously we're just chilling who knows there's like five people listening to us but we appreciate the fuck out of you we think you're pretty (laughs) so that being said thank you so much for your support um we really appreciate you and we hope that you reach out to us we're gonna have all of our social media links in the description of this episode as well all of our sources all of the goodies that you can go check out if you want to learn a little bit more about this definitely case. like we said watch that documentary yeah, 10 out of 10 i'd be recommend. willing to give like champagne with the documentary because <laughs> it's really informative and it's very well done we can have a viewing party i'll make popcorn oh frick yeah <laughs> so we're gonna go probably drink some more of these delicious drinks and we're gonna go watch rupaul so my brain can get bleached i don't want this information in it anymore eat some baked potatoes oh yeah mark made dinner thanks thanks all right so uh yeah we'll catch you guys next week bye bye guys